Let me invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 146. Psalm 146. It's good to be with you here tonight. I'm thankful that God has given us another opportunity to be able to worship Him, to be able to open His Word. I hope this lesson this evening will complement the lesson that we looked at uh, this morning from uh, the book of Psalms as we focused in on, as we focused on Psalm 27 uh, verse number 4 and we highlighted the importance of, of worshiping God and we see this thought continuing even here in this psalm tonight now as we look at Psalm 146 tonight there there are, are different psalms we, we could have chosen to, to emphasize the points that we're going to be looking at tonight. But this particular psalm to me is, is one that deserves our attention, one that we need to read, to meditate upon. And I hope this week after hearing this lesson and thinking about the opportunity that we've had uh, today to worship our God, that those thoughts will 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 be in our mind throughout this week, and so we'll be looking forward to being able to worship God uh, once again. But as we begin looking at this psalm, I want you to notice that Psalm 146 through Psalm 150 is is usually grouped in one book, and one of the reasons that these last psalms are, are grouped together has to do with how each of these psalms begins and ends. You'll notice that Psalm 146 begins and ends with praise. You'll notice that to be true with Psalm 147, Psalm 148, through Psalm 150. And so that's why these particular psalms are, are, are grouped together. In the Hebrew, uh, you see the, the idea or you see the word hallelujah. In the English, it's translated praise ye the Lord. And that's what we're encouraged to do here in Psalm 146 through Psalm 150. We're encouraged to, to praise God. I want you to notice how Psalm 146 begins. And you'll first see it in the plural and then in the singular. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have my being. The psalmist recognizes that there is a, a real need to worship God in this life. The psalmist recognizes how great God is, and the psalmist encourages his audience to join in with him as he praises the Lord. As I think about Psalm 146 verses 1 and 2, it reminds me of, of another passage that, that we see in the book of Psalms. Psalm 34 verse 3, where the psalmist says, Oh, come and, and let us magnify the Lord. Let us exalt His name together. 
Again, that's what we are encouraged to do. That's what the psalmist is doing and that's what the psalmist is is encouraging others to do while we have that opportunity in this life. And I think it's important to, to think about those thoughts. Worshiping God in this life. Uh, as, as Brother Holton mentioned in his prayer, uh, we have chosen to be here tonight to worship our God because we have recognized how great God is and we want to worship Him. Uh, we, we want to praise Him for His goodness and for all that He has done. But again, we, we have chosen to do so. But not everybody in the world chooses to, to worship God. As Christians, we want to encourage people like the psalmist to magnify the Lord in this life because we don't want to wait. Uh, we don't want to wait too late to worship God. And this is something that, that we're reminded of throughout the Old Testament. Again, don't wait too late. In Jeremiah chapter 8, verse number 20, Jeremiah says, The summer is ended, the harvest is past, and the people are not saved. So many will, will wait too late in order to be saved. So many will, will wait too late to praise God. We have the opportunity in this life to, to, to praise Him. And again, we have chosen to do that. And the Lord, again, will reward us. We don't want to wait too late to be saved. We don't want to wait too late in order to praise our God. And so we should appreciate the times that we have together to be able to come together as the family of God. We don't want to hesitate. In the book of Ezekiel, you'll see this phrase several times, Israel hesitated and all hope was lost. Or we can go to the parable of the ten virgins in in Matthew chapter 25. Five were wise, five were foolish. Uh, The foolish waited too late. We have this wonderful opportunity to praise our God, to recognize how great He is, and to offer Him adoration, worship, and praise. I find it interesting as we think about this idea of choosing to worship God. As you think about Philippians chapter 2, verse number 10, we learn that on the day of judgment, every knee will bow and every knee will confess. The idea is is people will recognize how great God is, how powerful, how mighty He is. Uh, People will be forced to to recognize uh, who He is. But we have chosen to do that if we are a child of God. And so, like the psalmist, worshiping God, praising God is a part of who we are. It's a part of our life. This is something that we do throughout the week. This is something that that we do collectively on the first day of the week. We come to to worship our God. That's how the psalmist begins. And so as you look at Psalm 146, verses 1 and 2, it really begins with a promise. As long as I live, as long as I have my being, I'm going to praise my God. 
Well, as you begin looking at verse number 3, and really there are different ways we can develop this lesson, but we're going to build this lesson centered on this idea of praising God and beginning at verse number 3 and following to the end of this particular chapter, of this particular psalm, the psalmist gives reasons why we should praise Jehovah. Uh, you could also develop this, this lesson, reasons why we should trust God. But we're going to develop it with the idea of reasons why we should praise God. Why we're gathered here tonight to worship Him. And I think as we go through this lesson tonight, these, these points will come right from the text. They give us reasons, they remind us why we're doing what we're doing. When we worship God, when we praise his name. Remember, as we praise God, we praise the one, and we'll see this in verses 3 and 4, who is eternal. We praise Him again because, verses 3 and 4, He is eternal. Look at what the psalmist says in verse 3. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, he turneth to his earth. In that very day his thoughts perish. Again, the psalmist is is reminding us why we don't put our faith, our trust in man. We put our faith, we put our trust in God because he is eternal. And that's why we praise him. That's why we worship him. As the Apostle Peter would say in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 8, One day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. You stop and think about what the Apostle Peter is saying, and we're reminded of the eternal nature of God. Turn back and you may want to mark your spot right here in Psalm 146. Turn back a couple of pages to Psalm 90. And again, Psalm 90 speaks of the eternal nature of God. In Psalm 90, listen to what the psalmist declares in verse number 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, forever thou hast formed the earth and the world even from everlasting to everlasting, Thou art God. Again, throughout the book of Psalms, we're reminded of the eternal nature of God. God is not mortal like we are. He is eternal. In fact, as you're looking at Psalm 90 with me, the psalmist reveals the eternal nature of God but the psalmist then goes into a discussion on, on who we are as God's creation. And I want you to notice the contrast. Look at Psalm 90, verse number 10, a familiar verse. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we will fly away. From verse number 10, we can see that we're not eternal. We realize that, that our life here uh, upon this earth is, is very short. Uh, we have been given a body that, that, that can live to be 70 to 80 years old. Uh, again, it's a principle. 
But as we reach 70, as we reach 80, we, we understand their strength, labor, and sorrow. You see, the old body begins to break down. According to 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 16, the outward man is perishing. We understand that. We know that because that's how God created us. And that's why we don't bow down and, and worship mankind. We bow down and we kiss toward our God because He is eternal. As you stop and think about again why we worship God, we worship God because He is eternal. And He's not like man. That's just one of the reasons why we should worship Him. Why we should trust in Him. But the psalmist continues on in verses 5 and 6. And we see another reason why we should worship God beginning in verse number 5 and 6. Happy is he that has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Again, really, verse 5 can even be tied back in to what we see here in verses 3 and 4. We worship our God because He is eternal. He is the one that can help us as we go through this life. Man cannot help us. The help that, that man can offer is, is temporary. It's physical. But the help that God can give us is not only physical, but it is spiritual. And so happy are the people whose God is Lord. Psalm 144, verse number 15. But then as you go into verse number 6, you, you see the second reason for why we worship God. Listen to what the psalmist says in verse number 6. Which made heaven and earth, the sea and all that therein it is. Again, we worship our God. We praise Him. Not only is He eternal, but we can see from verse number 5 and verse number 6, He is the Creator. In Genesis chapter 1, we see what God created. We see how God created this earth. In Genesis chapter 1, we see again God's creation. In Psalm 33 verse 9, we learn how He created this earth, how He created us. He spoke and it was done. That's how powerful He is. And you see that, don't you, in Genesis chapter 1. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Again, He spoke and it was done. As we look at the trees, as we look up into the skies, as we see the stars, as we see the sun, as we think about the rain that, 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 that we receive, all of that comes from God. In fact, as we stop and, and think about creation, creation testifies that there is a God. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth His handiwork. And the psalmist talks about the night. He talks about the day. And then he launches off into a discussion talking about the sun as it comes out of, as it comes out of its chambers like a bridegroom. You see, man has no excuse not to obey God. 
not to know God because of all of the evidence. And the evidence is crying out that God is real, that God is true, that He is the Creator. Because of the evidence, as I said, mankind has no excuse not to know Him, not to obey Him. In Romans 1 verse 20 we learn, For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. And so we can learn so much about God's creation. And I realize there are a lot of people in the world who, who, who will deny that God is the Creator. There will be people that will stand up before an audience of people, hundreds of people, thousands of people, and will tell a lie. They will say that this, this world just happened by chance. Just a big bang. And yet you stop and, and, and you think about it. And it absolutely makes no sense. You stop and think about what is more logical? To believe that God created this world looking at the evidence? Or to say that this happened by accident or this happened by chance? Well, as God's people, as New Testament Christians, we know very well that God is the ruler of this universe. In fact, as you're looking at Psalm 146, verse 6, that made heaven and earth and sea, you can go through the book of Psalms and the psalmist is going to talk about the mountains that God made, the hills, the seas. It fascinates me when we think about the sea, when we think about the ocean. God is the one that created it. In Jeremiah chapter 5, Verse number 22, He can stop the ocean, it says, with a strip of sand. You think about that. He holds the water back by a strip of sand. God is the one that created that. And so as we stop and we think about why we're here tonight, why we have chosen to be here, we're reminded from this psalm that we are worshiping our Creator. The One who is eternal. Uh, Thinking about God's creation really is, is, is a wonderful way to talk to people about the Gospel. In fact, you'll notice that, that Paul will use this reasoning in Acts chapter 14, and, and he uses the same reasoning talking about God creating the world that they were seeing the sea in Acts chapter 17 on Mars Hill, when he preached to the Epicureans and Stoics, he reminds them who the Creator was. And that's the one that we should be praying, that uh, uh, bowing down to and praying to, not to these, these false gods that have been made by man's hands. Again, God is eternal. God is Creator. As we continue to, to look at this together here in Psalm 146, I want you to look at, at verse number 6. Not only is He Creator, not only did God create heaven and earth and sea and all that therein is, but notice this next point, speaking about God, which keepeth truth forever. 
Again, why do we worship Him? Because He is faithful. In 2 Timothy 2, verse number 13, If we believe not that He is, He abideth abideth faithful. He cannot deny Himself. Again, God is faithful. God is trustworthy. We learn in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, Titus 1, verse number 2, it's impossible for God to lie. And again, we're thankful that He is faithful. We can take Him at His word. Remember, God gives us so many promises. And when God makes a promise, you can count on it. In 2 Peter 1, verse number 4, we read about those great promises that we have in Christ Jesus. Paul says the promises of God are are yes in Christ Jesus. 2 Peter 1, verse number 20. We have the promise of His presence. We have the promise of His forgiveness. We have His promise, 1 Peter 3, verse number 12, that that He will hear our prayers. And so when we worship God, we need to remember that He is Creator. We need to remember that He is eternal. We need to remember that, that He is faithful. I can rely upon Him. God isn't going to lie to me. He is faithful, therefore He is trustworthy. But continue to look with me as we continue to read verse number 7, which executes judgment for the oppressed. Another reason why we praise God, He is just. Again, it says He executed judgment for the oppressed. Oppress. God is fair in His dealings with mankind. One of the things that we learn about our God in the Old Testament is He is righteous and He is just and He is angry with the wicked. Psalm 7 verse 11. Again, God is, is angry with the wicked. You can go back to Genesis chapter 3. God saw the wickedness of of mankind. He flooded the world. Genesis chapter 18. We read about the story of of Sodom and Gomorrah. We read about the ten plagues in the book of Exodus. We read about God's judgment upon the pagan world in the book of Joshua, in the book of Judges. As we continue throughout Old Testament history, looking at the prophets, we see God even bringing judgment, chastisement upon His own people, upon, again, the heathen nations. And God's judgment, God's dealing with mankind is always right. I think one of the greatest verses that we see in the Old Testament about our God is Genesis 18, verse number 25. The God who created this earth, the one who is just, will judge right. The God of all earth will judge right. And we understand that there is going to be a day of judgment when Christ returns again. In 2 Thessalonians 1, 7-9, Paul says, And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels. 
taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, God is just in taking vengeance. God is just in judging the wicked. And we praise Him. We worship Him because He is a just God. He knows the facts. He never makes mistakes. And you know, on the day of judgment, when He judges you, and when He judges me, His judgment will be right. His judgment will be right. And so as I think about my own life, and as I think about my life in view of the judgment, you know, if I'm lost on the day of judgment, that's not God's fault. That's my own fault. And I'm reminded here that His judgment is just. His judgment is always right. God doesn't make mistakes. He knows the facts and He gets the facts right. And we praise Him for that. We praise Him because He is a just judge. Continue to look at verse number 7 and you will see really beginning at the last part of verse number 7 you see so many benefits. Another reason why we worship God. He executed the judgment for the oppressed. Now notice this, which giveth food to the hungry. Again, we worship Him because we worship a benevolent God. Who cares for us? Who provides for us? You know, food is a blessing. I enjoy eating food. Food is wonderful. It is great. And we should never forget where it comes from. It comes from God. In fact, Jesus taught us uh, when we pray, we should thank God for our daily food. This was something that that David even thought about uh, as he thought about life. In Psalm 37, verse 25, he says, I've been young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed, listen to it, begging begging for bread. Again, God is benevolent in that He provides for our necessities. And one of the necessities that that we need in order to live is food. And God provides that. And the psalmist reminds us of that which giveth food to the hungry. Every good gift comes from above. Again, blessings descend from above. Gratitude, praise should ascend to our Heavenly Father. That's why we praise Him. That's why we thank Him. We're thanking Him because He's benevolent. We're thanking thanking Him because He provides. Not only does He provide for us in the physical realm. Look at the last part of verse number 7. He also provides for us in the spiritual realm. The Lord looseth the prisoners. Now I realize there are a lot of Old Testament stories that, that may center around this like... Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But I want us to think about it in a spiritual sense. Because God is the one that sets us free. God is the one that that liberates us. That gives us salvation through His Son. And that's why we worship Him. 
you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 8 verse number 32. Same chapter, John 8 verse 36. If the Son shall set you free, Jesus says you are free indeed. I love that terminology. We are free. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 verse 1. Remember what we said about the wicked? Psalm 7 verse 11. God is angry with the wicked every day. And that should get our attention. Because of sin, we have subjected ourselves to God's holy wrath. But you see, Jesus provided that perfect sacrifice. Jesus is our advocate. Jesus Christ made, a, made atonement on the cross by shedding His blood so that we could escape the wrath of God. According to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse number 10. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 9, we learn that God hasn't appointed us unto wrath, but to obtain salvation. He is the rock of our salvation. The Lord liveth. Blessed be the name of the Lord, Psalm 18, verse number 46. And so again, we worship Him because He is benevolent. He provides for us in the physical realm. He provides for us in the spiritual realm. Look at verse number 8. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. He, we see that, that to be true in the physical realm. But you realize that His Word has the power to give us spiritual perception. In Psalm 119, uh, verse number 18, David says, Open now my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. In Acts 26, verse 18, Paul talks about the power of the gospel. The gospel can open our eyes, spiritually speaking, and when we obey the gospel, we can escape darkness and we can be translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. Again, we serve a benevolent God who provides spiritual perception. And that's why we have God's Word. Notice the Lord, I like this one there in verse number 8. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. Do you see what the psalmist is saying there in verse number 8? God is the one that encourages us when we are discouraged. In Psalm chapter 3, verse 5, David says, You are the lifter up of my head. You think about a little child that, that may be down, may be sad, and his father comes over there and sticks his hand out and, and puts his hand under his child's chin and, and lifts it up. And so doing, he... He cheers that child on, encourages him. He lifts him up. Well, here's a picture of our Heavenly Father. Psalm 3, verse 3, lifting up our heads. Again, He is the one that, that can strengthen us. We talked about Psalm 27 this morning, verse 13 and 14, where David says, I would have lost heart. If I didn't believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, he then says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and He will strengthen your heart. That's why we worship Him. When we find ourselves down, when we find ourselves struggling, when we find ourselves discouraged, if we will turn to Him, He will lift us up. He will strengthen us again if we wait on Him. If we 
rely upon Him. How do I know I'm relying upon Him? Are you praising Him? Is worshiping God a part of your life? Is this something that that you do throughout the week? Praising Him, exalting His holy name above all others? Again, we can know whether or not we are truly trusting in Him. He he raises those who are bowed down. And notice, the Lord loveth the righteous. And then in verse number 9, and all of this is under the word benevolent. We worship a benevolent God who provides for us physically, spiritually, who gives us freedom, who gives us spiritual perception, who strengthens us, But look at verse number 9. Who watches over us. And again, uh, as Brother Holton mentioned uh, in his prayer, uh, God is a watchman. He is watching over His people. The Lord preserveth the strangers. Again, He preserveth the strangers. The Lord knoweth them that are His. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 19. One of the accusations that, 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 that uh, Satan will make against, against Job uh, to God is you put a hedge around him. Well, you're right. God does protect His people. And as long as we're faithful to God and trust in Him and rely upon Him, He can deliver us out of every temptation according to 2 Peter 2, verse number 9. As long as we're faithful and rely upon God for protection, the devil cannot harm us. We can resist him and he will flee from us. We also see there in verse number 9, God's benevolence. He relieveth the fatherless and widow. You go through the Bible and you see that, that God has special care for, again, the fatherless and widow. Read First Timothy chapter 5. And the whole chapter practically centers around widows. If we want to practice pure religion, we're going to take the, James 1 verse 27. We're going to take this seriously, aren't we? The fatherless and the widows. God has always provided care for the fatherless and widows. Again, God is benevolent in so many ways. And ultimately, as you look at the end of verse number 9, which says, but the way of the wicked turneth up, the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. God will give us the victory. God will give us the victory. Victory over death, victory over sin, victory over our adversary, the devil. And that's what he promises in Revelation 3, verse 5. He that overcometh the same shall be crowned, shall be clothed in white. The same will be victorious. Thanks be unto God, Paul would say, that giveth us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There are so many reasons why we praise God. And tonight we've only mentioned a few to help us with our thoughts, to remind us why we are here. Remember, He is eternal. He is the Creator of this universe. He is faithful and trustworthy. We worship Him because He is just. And we worship Him because He is benevolent. Notice how the psalmist ends. He ends the same way he begins. The Lord shall reign forever, even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. 
I hope you're thankful that you were here tonight to be able to have this opportunity again to praise God, to worship Him. As we said, this should be the highlight of our week. This really should prepare us for this week as we face the challenges of this life. And this is something that we should long to do when we have this opportunity to worship our God. The lesson is yours tonight. If you need to respond to heaven's invitation for any reason, won't you please come right now as we stand and as we sing.